0: Welcome to. Tech Junior! Hey everybody, it's Eddie. We have another great show for you today. We have a returning guest. Roy Josfolk. Uh, we're talking about SEO uh, benefits to learning it for junior developers, tips and tricks and things like that. As always, if you want to support the show, you can visit us at techjunior.dev. Sign up for our newsletter, um, Patreon and things like that. Please share the show with your friends. Review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify as well. Anything you could do to support the show is greatly appreciated and let's get into it. So one, two, three, then clap? No, one, yes. two, three, but we'll all clap on the three. Just so you can gotcha. got count it. So we know
1: like when we should actually clap. All right, here we go. One, two, three. It's close that enough. <laughs> that was way off. That was so bad. Um, yeah, let's let's just do this. Welcome to Tech <laughs> Junior. My name's Lee Work Junior, full stack <laughs> JavaScript developer, backend developer, uh, whatever. I got with me Eddie, as always. Hey! Since you threw out a bunch
0: of titles, I'm going to say uh, front end developer and designer
1: and nice guy. Go ahead. Scrum master. Yeah, Scrum master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I <laughs> have not used at all. <laughs> Go ahead. We've got uh, a returning guest. Uh, we've had a couple of those lately. Yeah. We've got Roy Joss, folks. So, Roy, if you could introduce yourself.
2: Hey, everybody! Uh, thank you, um, Lee and Eddie, for for having me on the show again. Which hopefully means I, I did all right the previous time, and um, if you remember before, I'm a digital solutions consultant. Um, everything from web, mobile, and digital marketing, and I've um, been doing it for a long time. So,
1: cool, yeah. So we talked with Roy last year about freelancing for developers. So uh, <clears throat> Roy is a uh, independent, I don't know, consultant, contractor, however you want to put it. Um, does a lot of freelance work. Has a lot of great advice for that. So please go back and listen to that episode. Uh, it was very informative for a lot of people. And uh, as I understand it, Roy gets a lot of emails about that episode. So if that's cool, yeah, if you're, cool. if
0: yeah, you're interested actually. in
1: that sort of thing, uh, please go listen to it.
2: There's
0: yeah, and also, I appreciate everybody that I checked it out. There's also the uh, video um, on our meetup YouTube channel. That's true. It's also very yep. good. Yes, so that it's is very long. Yeah,
1: yeah. Roy gave a talk for us at uh, at Project Codex, and we have that linked on the uh, the page on the podcast. So, if you listen to the podcast, if you want to watch the video, that's down there below. Uh, it has his slides on there and everything, so you should be in yeah. good shape for that. A lot of today. Good we want info. Today we want to talk about SEO. Uh, specifically SEO for developers and
2: for junior developers. Yeah, so I don't know if you want me to kind of take it from there. or Yeah, well, first of all,
1: um, <clears throat> tell me kind of, you know, first of all, what is SEO? And then after that, uh, why you think it's important for junior developers to take a look at it?
2: Yeah, so SEO is basically search engine optimization. Is It's how to do you optimize your search visibility um and it's very important uh these days because everybody online is selling something everybody's trying to get more visitors and and more conversions and really that's the basis of uh, that's the foundation of of doing that so um for junior developers it's a great thing to learn i think um because there's some technical components to it that the digital marketing team may not be able to do. And they need a web developer to do it. So a lot of times, they're just instructing uh, a junior developer or or even just a, a senior developer that's never done SEO on doing all these different things uh, with your code and, and structuring and doing schemas um, and all these things. And, and you're not understanding, why Why is it do you need me to do all, do all this? What effect is it going to have? So I think learning that helps you be uh, you know you're more valuable to the team and and you could be more helpful and and anticipate things that they need yeah 100 percent. so um
1: just to, to wind it back to basics uh seo search engine optimization a lot of people think of that as like maybe a marketing team thing or like some kind yeah. of google magic or you know yep. you start as soon as you google seo you get like somebody in a in a expensive suit like with some kind of slick marketing video, like trying to sell you something, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of marketing involvement in that area, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of basic stuff that like you you should be able to do as a front end developer and should be aware of because it's it's going to come up sooner or later. And especially if you have your own stuff, like
2: mm-hmm. a really
1: great quote from Roy <clears throat> that I remember, um, and I'll probably misquote it, but it was like, <laughs> Building a website is like painting a beautiful picture and then just like hanging it up in your house. If you don't yep. have SEO, there's there's no point, right? Like yep. you have to get people wall. to the to the page. Yeah, a painting on the wall. So if people aren't in your house looking at it, if you can't draw people in, um, that's you're losing the battle, right? There, yeah, there's more and, to it than just building the site.
2: Yeah, and I think people get confused, um, especially web developers. They say, well, I'm not a marketer. So SEO is not my, my job, but like I was kind of saying, there's just a lot of technical components to it. Um, And it's really throughout your development, you should just be applying them and not having to apply them later because someone requested it because now that everything's live, they see that something is, is not right. And, and another point is especially for junior developers. So say you're just getting out of your, you know, college degree or, um boot camp or just learning on your own and and you can build websites well do you want to keep learning more frameworks and and more libraries and different you know CSS libraries or do you want to actually learn something that's going to bring additional value to your skill set where you know a lot of that stuff doesn't affect the bottom line and things like technical SEO especially which includes page speed which is probably the the toughest part of it, especially with complex websites, um, that affects the bottom line immediately. Um, you see instant results. So to be someone who can do that, uh, kind of takes you to the next level in your career and also may present a better opportunity for you rather than just simply being a develop, a web developer.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, to, to put a fine point on it, like you may not move the needle as far as sales or profit or anything by going out and learning Vue. you know, if you already know mm-hmm. react, um, let's say your project at your company is in react, uh, and maybe you're using bootstrap or something going out and mm-hmm. learning tailwind and Vue, you know, that's great. But unless you're going to rewrite the app or, you know, magically, there's a greenfield project where you're writing it in these new technologies, the business really doesn't care that you're learning that stuff. Like, yes, it's great that you're learning new stuff, but, it doesn't affect them. Yeah. Now, if you go out and you guys don't have like a good SEO strategy, you're not implementing this stuff, and you go out and learn that, and then you apply it, uh, that's mm-hmm. gonna you know generate sales, higher traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, people are gonna notice that. So that that's a a vital part of the business. And something like as a developer, you need to have an eye towards the the business side of stuff at all times,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, even if you're not in that
2: zone, you know. Absolutely. And if you look at it from a freelance perspective, so let's step out of the job market and, you know, move away from that. As a freelancer, if you're just doing web development, you're only able to create so much income. When you add something like this to it, you can, you know, triple the cost of the project that you're doing by adding this in. There was a a point, we were actually talking about this today in the Slack. Everybody was there. And... um, You know, you basically are going to need to um, you want to be able to create revenue uh, for the actual company that you're going to be doing the freelancing for. Um, You don't want to just do the website, move on, and then someone else comes in and scoops it up and starts doing the things that you could have done to have a long term partnership with that client. So you go in and you get paid a couple thousand dollars, several thousand dollars to do a website, and then they're getting paid several thousand dollars a month for multiple years to complete the work that you could be doing and monitoring that work. So that's kind of the difference uh, right there as well for freelancers, which is super important.
1: Yeah, definitely. So going back to the the whole, you know, hanging up a picture in the house kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the end goal is to get eyeballs on the website and like, yeah, building the website is an important component of that. But getting people to the website is also a, an important part of that. So uh, mm-hmm. let, let's jump into uh, the, how this actually works. So yeah, um, yeah. there's there's a couple of different areas of SEO, right? There's mm-hmm. uh, yep. the technical part and then there's like the content kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like strategy and, and like the really marketing-ish kind of things. So can you maybe talk a little bit about each one real quick?
2: Yes. So you have sort of these three areas. You have two of them which are on site. One of them is what we're talking about, which is the technical component. Then you have content creation. So those are the copywriters, the people that create all the the different copy on the on the marketing pages and in the blogs and all those different types of things. And then you have people and it could be the same person, but who do offsite SEO. So this is creating social signals, so social media, getting backlinks, uh, email campaigns, um, all of these different things that happen outside of the visitor being on the website. So the position for the web developer is that on-site technical position um, where the reality is, um, if you go and watch any video, so like you said, you search Google by SEO, you get some guy in a suit, um, he starts talking about things like schema and, you know, robots.txt file, and immediately they say, "Go, you know, have your developer or hire a developer to do it, because this person is not going to truly be able to do it." There's obviously people who can do multiple um, disciplines, but it's not as common. So,
1: yeah. So um, we, whenever we started up the the Tech Junior website, um, talked to Roy and said, like, "Hey, you know, what's the what's the basic stuff that we should do for SEO?" And, you know, went through and did it. <laughs> and, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, but now, like, here it is a year later, roughly. And uh, if you type in Tech Junior Podcast into Google, we show up. And, like, our Google search results show, like, links to the podcast episodes. You can, like, listen to the podcast directly from Google mm-hmm. Search. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, you know, we get traffic to the website from, like, Twitter and our newsletter and, and all kinds of stuff so um it like for what it was and what it took to to implement that stuff like the results were definitely worth it um yeah and so you know the the basics you know from what i remember from from doing this were um meta tags uh mm-hmm. that were you know accurate um and then the other big thing which is also kind of a meta tag but uh, json ld schema yep um and so like the meta tags and the schema are, are used by not only search engines to uh, determine what kind of site this is, who it belongs to, um, just like a, a database has schema, you know, a website has schema for a search engine so it can index it and determine what kind of site it is and all this stuff. Um, Lee, you're really good. I
2: mean, you you know, you know it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I learned from Roy.
1: He, he basically told me all this. But, uh, <laughs> the other, the other component of that is like other sites, you know, crawling your tags for uh, social cards and and descriptions and stuff. So you post yep. a link in Slack, and a big card pops up for Tech Junior, you know, with the image and all this stuff. So that, that's kind of the other portion of, of
2: why that. Stuff yeah, is and you saw it from a different angle because you run the website, but usually the web developer is not going to create the metadata, right? They're not going to actually write the meta titles. But if you're building like an SPA or, you know, a headless WordPress or something, you need to make that feature available to the marketing team. You need to make sure that when you're developing out whatever you're doing, um, and if it has some sort of content manager, that they have the ability to change this without you going in at the code level um, and having to change a description. So that's actually the more more important factor that I try to tell people is, um, you know, not everybody's doing a WordPress site. You know, like your site is not a WordPress site. I think it's built in Vue, correct? Yeah, Vue and Gridsome. Yeah. So you had to add some different libraries and things and, and make some adjustments to make sure that was available to you just in, you know, just within your development environment. But think about if you're providing that for a company. Um, where someone who is not going to be at the code level has to be able to make those adjustments. You know, and then really, if you're doing, you know, and what's cool about that, if, if you can go even further, where, you know, titles and descriptions can only be a certain length and character. So maybe you make it impossible for them to type further. So they have, they already have the restriction built in. So there's all these little ways that, um, from a code perspective, from a web developer perspective, that you could be helping your team, your client, whoever it is.
1: Okay. Have you? Uh. Well, oh, okay. No, go ahead, Eddie. What do you got? Uh,
2: I was
0: I was going to ask like how involved, um, or what, what are like the additional things you have to do while building a site to get this going? Because I was looking at some of the notes and um, it didn't seem like much because like uh, using. Uh, a header tag instead of um you know doing an id for header um yep some of that is like stuff you should do anyway for like uh you know screen readers and things like that using semantic tags yep. um that seems <clears> like <throat> things you should be doing anyway uh, how much of that is already built into like good seo
2: yeah and no, i think it's actually they They go hand in hand. So anything for accessibility is pretty much, you know, think about it. The way Google is deciding what your page is about is by going on the page using um, HTML tags and all these other things to decide how important is this one piece of text that you're mentioning? You know, is this a link or is it not a link? Where is it going? Those are, you know, alt tags for images to understand because it can't detect what an image is yet. Um, this is the same thing for accessibility and those types of things. So it actually goes hand in hand. Um, it works it works together. So it, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, cross there.
1: So as far as like the marketing team getting this is like a finer point I think, but as far as like the marketing team getting in there and changing like the you know metatag description or something on the site, um, mm-hmm. I would imagine that ties into like, you know, content management kind of things. Yep. So, like WordPress and yep. whatever you're using, but um, kind of having that stuff templated in so that they can change it on the fly if
2: they want to. Exactly, and that's even something I'm learning more about because I do actually work with mostly WordPress sites, and I have some experience in the past with, you know, you know, modern, some of the modern JavaScript frameworks. Um, but I stepped away from it a little bit. That's something I'm actually doing a lot more research on and just wanting to bring those things to light um, so that if you do decide, because more and more people are, because when you talk about page speed, which is very important, you don't get faster than, you know, doing, working with these frameworks as opposed to to WordPress, which takes a lot of work um, to get the the, the page optimized. Um, so making sure that you're you're aware of that and then what tools do you need? What libraries do you need? Um, so that you can uh, make that available.
1: Yeah, so we can throw some links into the the show notes, but um, I've got a couple of good art- articles bookmarked like a CSS Tricks article that's the mm-hmm. essential meta tags for social media.
2: And it mm-hmm. goes through
1: like, you know, your open graph and, um, you know, Twitter meta tags and yep. uh, all those sorts of things that, that you would need on every page. Um, yep. And then kind of the other portion of this from you know the technical standpoint you're probably working with like react or vue or something like that there are libraries for those things mm-hmm. so react has react helmet and vue has vue meta and mm-hmm. those are going to help you template in you know all these meta tags and json ld schema and stuff and if you're using you know gatsby or gridsum like we're using um it's probably already in your uh, starter that you're you're using or you know a theme or whatever and you just have to be smart about like actually using it and utilizing it um and not just ignoring it and like letting the same description be on every page and stuff like that
2: definitely so yeah and 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 as the web moves moves further and further um with using these frameworks i'm sure more and more resources will come out And a lot has already changed since even just the last time I was really looking at it and looking into it because I wanted to change one of my websites uh, to use like a headless uh, react. But unfortunately at that time, there wasn't really a way to take the metadata that I had with Yoast SEO, which is a plugin for WordPress and be able to utilize that in my templates. Um, So now they have it Um, now, now they have all that stuff. So it's, it's definitely progressing because the web is all about being found. Nobody puts up a website to not be found um, and you want to be found for the right thing. it's It's not necessarily just about being found. When you have the right uh, semantics, um, when you have the right Json LD, um, you show up for things um, for targeted people, for people who are truly interested in your content and what you're selling or whatnot. So that's the benefit of it. If not, you, you know, imagine reading a book where <clears throat> there's no different, you know, there's no difference between, the chapter title and titles between paragraphs and it was all just a block of text you wouldn't really know what the flow of the information was so that's the same thing with a Googlebot. is it looks at things like h1 tags right you know there should be an h1 tag on every on every page and it doesn't even necessarily need to be the biggest title or whatnot it can be just strategically placed so that the keywords the phrase that you're using is is signaling to a Googlebot saying this is exactly what this what this is about. Everything that's an H2 or H3 is sort of like uh, just titles for paragraphs within or their chap, you know, within a chapter. So that's how it kind of it starts to look at it in a hierarchy to understand what is this ultimately about? Where does this fit in with this huge index of you know billions of websites or whatnot?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something that I forgot that I even do, which is um have one h1 tag on the page yeah. and make it yep. like the title, right? <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. this is what this page is about and mm-hmm. that's in the h1. And it like you said it doesn't like the CSS doesn't have to make it like 40 point font yeah. on the page or anything, but Google is going to read it and be like, "Oh, there's the h1 tag. This is the main idea." And so like you you want that to be there. <clears throat>
2: yeah, and the typical web developer would just think that H one is a is a style, and it's not. Right. It's actually an indicator to uh, what what this information is about, what this page is.
0: Yeah, it's also. I was just going to say it's also important for accessibility.
2: Yes, yes. So that, I
1: mean. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking about, like, automated tools that are interpreting the, the page, whether it's for accessibility mm. reasons or for indexing in, like, a search engine or something. Um, but th- this is, like, why, you know, semantic HTML is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's not – I it doesn't get the attention that it should for the impact that it has, I think, yeah. is, is yep. kind of the, the problem. Yeah. Um, But yeah, now that we've kind of talked about that a little bit, I I think we're kind of starting to get into the content portion of it, uh, especially with like the H1 tags and the main idea and whatnot. So, um, you know, once you get in there, you've got your semantic HTML, you've got your meta tags, you've got your JSON LD, all that stuff is, you know, correct. And you've got it, you know, so that you can edit it for each new page and and whatnot. Uh, what, What are the ideas for the main strategies as far as like content?
2: Um, well, even before we get to that page speed is, is the number one thing. And as a developer, you have the, um, you you have the ability to affect that. And it's just when you're like, you're compiling your projects and everything's minified and all those different, um, optimizations, that's all a part of it as well. So really once you get some, once you have sort of this on page situation handled, now you're talking about making sure that you don't have too many requests, images aren't, um, too large in file size. Actually, you know, they want the, the the images to be cropped to the actual space that it's in, um, and not just be a big image that's been kind of like resized, um, just shrunk, um, but it still has its original size. So that's actually that's actually probably even more important than anything because that will directly affect rankings. The one thing that you can do to make sure that you know. Let's just say the company you work with already has a great marketing team. They write great content. They're doing all these different things. The one way that you can make sure that that stuff gets out there is to make sure that that website is super fast.
1: That's the key. Interesting. So um, the probably the fastest way to do that is to open up your Chrome DevTools yep. and look at your Audits tab, uh, Run Lighthouse. It's going to tell you not only about performance and seo um it'll yell at you if you have like three h1 tags on the page uh (laughs) it it, um also does accessibility which is great uh so it'll it'll do all that stuff plus pwas so um check that out uh if you're scratching your head over the large image thing uh squoosh.app is what you need to go to so i use that all the time to smash down gigantic images to something Mm -hmm. reasonable so that you know, your user doesn't click on the website, and then they're like watching
2: this image load in over three seconds. Um, yeah, and one yeah, thing that's so, even cra- even crazier than that that I'm dealing with right now is you have these these companies that uh, leverage a lot of tracking. They're using a lot of tracking. They're monitoring uh, traffic, um, all these different things. And now all of a sudden, your JavaScript, uh, the scripts that are being requested, are actually larger in size than. All of the images combined on your page, and Ooh, wow. these are vital tracking uh, scripts. They they need this software to be able to remarket their ads and all different types of things. So now, um, I've been going into a Google Tag Manager and basically setting delays. So say you know everybody's got like a bot or a or a, or a messenger on their page now, and if you let it load immediately, you know t- technically the page has to wait. For that to all happen. So what we did is we add delays to it and things of that nature, depending on what, um, you know, what the tracking is and what type of script it is or what software they're using and sort of decide, do we want to use this script on a page by page basis? Is this something that needs to be used on the entire site? Um, all types of little things uh, when it comes to that. And that's becoming a huge problem because no matter how, how much I compress images, uh, keep my file sizes small as far as you know my CSS files and all these different things, um, using you know proper web fonts. That is becoming the most difficult uh, thing to manage. So yeah, so I can weigh
1: in on that a little bit. Um, yeah, I worked for a, a big e-commerce company, and that was like our number one battle was having to manage like third-party integrations. Yep, and so like whether it was a chatbot a video loading library, um, tracking, you know, analytics, whatever, like all that stuff gets requested. Like if you let it, all that stuff loads as soon as the user gets to your page. And Mm -hmm. so the browser has to like crunch all that crap (laughs) and and process it. And your site may be like a reasonable business, you know, site that doesn't have a whole bunch of junk on it. It's just a content page. But if you load it up with all the stuff, you know, you're going to pay for that in performance. And so we would do all kinds of stuff to like lazy load everything,
2: Um, anything (laughs) possible,
1: like kick it to the curb until like the very last second, like, Oh, the user's getting ready to click on the chat thing. Like go ahead and load the chat library, you know, like stuff like that. Um, or, or having it load, like after the initial hit, stuff like that. Um, super important for ranking and, uh, getting those lighthouse numbers that aren't, you know, <laughs> embarrassing. Um, so
2: it, and sometimes you have like a false negative where, you know, it says that it takes a long time, but if you're visually looking at it, you know, it's not all about those reports. You're never going to get a hundred percent. I think that's what people are confused by. You're really just trying to get the best score you can, but always judge it based on real usage um a lot of times if there's background things loading as long as everything on the page is loading think about it right someone gets that they finally you finally do rank and they get to the page as long as the text and, and things like that are immediately available so they can begin to read and 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 interact with it something happening in the background is not bothering them and that's something you have to sort of argue with with everybody else who doesn't understand that um and that's sort of like conversation I've had recently where I'm like listen you're unwilling to give up all of these different tracking scripts and add things and all these different third, third party services. Uh, you're just going to have to accept the fact that when we load this thing up, it's super snappy. I mean, you click on a link and it's there instantly. It's all happening in the background. No one can see it. It's not, it's not getting in the way of, of someone using it for its purposes.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's it's a, a constant battle, right? Because you know, <laughs> the the people that don't do the code want to add like more stuff to the page yep. all the time, and then mm-hmm. you're like over here going, "Oh my god!" Not only do you have to integrate this, but it's going to make it slower, you know. So it's it's a, a lot of back and forth.
2: Um, yeah, definitely. So that that's definitely something I want to emphasize. And and if you're someone that's into solving complex problems as a web developer. These are actually super complex and uh, are fun. I mean, I like when I actually get it to do what I want it, want it to do. It takes a lot of research. I'll spend hours and hours going down rabbit holes on how to fix these little things and, and, and solutions people have come up with. So it's rewarding work and it's not just rewarding to you. It's not like when you finally figure out that loop. Um, now it's something everybody can see. Everybody's excited. Everybody's high-fiving. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a win for everybody when you do something like this. And, you know, when I did, I actually did work somewhere. This this was something I was actually in charge of, obviously. And um, that was like the main thing that everybody just knew about me was that I knew how to do all these technical SEO things that were helping us. And I was, you know, like a rock star for that. So if you're someone that really wants to get that, you know, feel like you're, you're contributing, contributing, this is definitely something that you can do that will impress everybody.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um are you comfortable moving on to uh, the content yeah, portion of this? Definitely. so tell me uh, tell me some strategies for or really like what what do we mean when we say content and then what are the strategies for that? So as far as like content on a page, yeah, like there's you know there's ranking through performance and through the hmm. structure of the page and the technical aspects, but then there's also like it's literally reading the content of the page, right?
2: Yeah. Um, Definitely. So you want to be aware of these things. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say this, you know, when you start talking about content, you get into a whole different type of thought process. Uh, Number one, there's research components to it. So you want to look up and kind of get an idea of what phrase should I have as an H1 or an H2? um, Or what questions should I have in my FAQ section of a page that's maybe about comparing two softwares, right? So um, that just is a, lot of, is a lot of research and basically trying to get an idea of not only, you know, like keyword research, but looking at other people who are ranking and looking at their page structure, looking at the schema that they've used and the different, you know, how many images do they have on a page? Um, is there a podcast uh, embed? Is there videos embedded? Um, so there's tools that will basically automate this where you can take your page and match it up to anybody else who's ranking, uh, for that same, you know, search term that you want to rank for. And it will compare, you know, how many H2s you have and all these different, not only technical components, but content, you know, how many words are you using? So typically, and this is kind of like the struggle, um, where you have marketing websites that, you know, you want to be short and succinct with your, marketing pitch, right? You don't want to list a, a, put a book on your page, but you also need to have a certain amount of text on there to really get in depth and tell the Google bots what this is about. So usually on a page, that's just a marketing page. You may not worry about that as much, but like a blog page or a how to page, you know, the more content you can have, the better. Google is looking for something super in depth. They want to be able to, you know, their business is, you know, educating people through resources. So they want to make sure that your resource or product, what someone's buying, is exactly um, what they they want. And the more you can reiterate that information, do research, see what other people have put on a page and add that to your page, it gives you a better opportunity. It even goes even further where there's authority on content. So now, because you may be thinking to yourself, well, what if everybody just does that, right? Like, what if everybody just has a ton of stuff? I mean, you could gather this information from anywhere. The next step that they've done is now they, they're checking on authors. So now the big thing is adding author sections to each page with a description, links to their social media, a picture, and all that stuff so that the crawler can cross-reference this person and see, are they truly an expert? Where else on the internet are they being mentioned as an expert? And now they're starting to look at that even more. So if you have a company, perfect example, a client that I have now, they don't have any authors or when they do, it's just someone that's on the team. No one that anybody would know. I said, just use the leadership, um, their bios, even if they didn't write it, just use it as the author because they're mentioned all over the internet. They're on, you know, they're mentioned in the Forbes article and Yahoo finance and all these different things that is actually a uh, huge, Now, when it comes to, when it comes to ranking, who created the content, who is this from?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, it didn't click for me until like we had this discussion about SEO like a year ago Mm -hmm. where like you go onto, I don't know, Amazon's website, let's say, and I don't Mm -hmm. know if this is true or not, but like all of a sudden you see like a blog and you're going to yourself i just came here to buy stickers or something like why why do i need a blog like who's reading this and yeah. the reason that it's there is because it's it's new content for the search engine and it's their their attempt to rank higher you know in results because oh look at us you know we've got this new content you know come come to our page uh come read about stickers or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. New content is important. Every six months I go to my uh, most traffic, you know, the pages that I know or that are giving me results and I change the publish date to as, as close to whatever date I'm, I'm at at the time. Because Google <laughs> likes, not only does Google like new stuff, but if you're searching and say you're looking up something even code wise, right? Like we've all done that. We're searching something, but it's five year old information. Well, we're probably not going to click on that right yeah. so making sure something like that is up to date at all times um, even having it in the meta meta title right the date oh 20 you know best uh you know and you've seen these everywhere best uh, javascript frameworks 2020 well they're yes. doing that for a reason because if it if it's if it's 2022 and it still says 2020 you're basically not going to click on that it's irrelevant how often
0: should you like publish content if you're someone that can't do it like every week
2: that's actually it's you know there's a situation where you hit a threshold so i think if you're just starting if you're just starting a website you need this sort of mass content um but i think as you have more and more content you can do a lot less one or two big really well thought out pieces a month and then really what you're doing is focusing on fixing your old content so you know, anything that's evergreen, you can continue to improve it. So sometimes I focus on that. I probably spend more time improving content um, than I do creating new content because um, I can see where my old content is ranking, what the traffic is, what the conversions are. And I can try to move the needle on that. If I do something brand new, you basically are submitting it to Google and then not knowing what's going to happen next. Um, Luckily, now it's pretty instant. Um, Some people I don't think really realize this, but if you use Google Search Console, you can submit a a new page and then instantly it will, you know, instantly, you know, in a minute or so, it will show up in search already. So I've had situations where I wrote a new article or even fixed an old article that wasn't ranking. And, and, you know, then once I submit it, I fixed it all up. I did all the research, fixed it up. Um, I submit it again. And then now, like, instantly it's on the first page. And now I'm getting traffic because if there's already traffic going there, that that's that's there. It's already there. The next people that are searching are going to see it. So um, it's pretty powerful if, if you just focus on kind of like fixing old content. And then after you have mass content, just doing quality content after that. Um, you at least want to, when I say mass content, you at least want to cover, you know, it's different for every niche. So it you at least want to cover as many as the topics that are super important that you actually have the ability to rank for. And there's ways to figure that out because there's uh, competition levels. So um, doing that is 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 definitely uh, key and doing just enough to kind of have several topics covered. And, and, you know, like you guys, 50 podcasts, it's a lot. Now it might be more about, Um, expanding on some of those topics, either they were popular, you already had a lot of listens, so maybe write an article or do a video or interview another person on the same topic. And then a lot of the tools you use for researching, they do that now. So if you type in a topic, they'll tell you how many shares it has on Facebook, you know, who shared, you know, who shared it, um, how many comments does it have? So now you can start making decisions, um, on things that you're doing based on that, what you're fixing, what you're not fixing, what you're doing new. Um, did something new happen within your industry or niche that you need to cover? So be more strategic, I guess I I would say as time goes on.
1: Cool. So, um, the, uh, the third area, right. Is, uh, kind of like the, the offsite stuff, social media and Mm -hmm. whatnot, which I I would kind of chuckle to myself because it's like the third way or the third important part of driving traffic to your website is. To drive traffic to your website,
2: yes. <laughs>
1: <Right>? <laughs> so maybe if you could, uh, can you give us an overview on that?
2: Yeah, and and really, what you're talking about here is there's a few different things you can do. Um, this isn't the exact as, as exciting um, as it may seem. Some people love being on social media; they love being uh, the center of attention. So, creating content and, and pushing it out to social media or doing a guest post or one of these things is 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 really easy um, but basically what you can do to alleviate yourself with that is a lot of automation so the offsite stuff you want to definitely automate if you're you know i'm talking from a web developer's perspective right like i'm not talking you know just a general person when we're talking about the things you should be learning and this is probably the last thing Once content gets rolling, you can automate it. And the cool thing is, is that a lot of basically all these platforms, none of them are chronological anymore. It's really based on popularity. So you can reuse things over and over again. So that way, when you, you, you always look like you're doing something, especially to new people or people who are just new and they didn't see something that you posted three months ago or even a year ago, but then you have to post less and less uh, new content. So now if you already have stuff being automated out there in the social media, uh, you know, universe, all the different social medias, you can have those things going out. Like, say, for instance, the podcast, you can chop it up into three or four main parts that, you know, you've seen this before. They do like a little snippet. They have a graphic that's, you know, kind of like has like the um, audio levels going and it's getting it's enticing you to go to the page so you can create five posts off of a you know, 30 minute Audio recording, automate that stuff. The second thing also is you can do things like go on Quora, um, Reddit, and all these different things, um, Stack Overflow, and you can answer questions. A lot of times, sometimes these sites don't allow you to put uh, links. Sometimes they do. If you're referencing something that is, you know, obviously valuable, so doing doing those types of uh, those types of activity activities. Um, email campaign, which is huge. Uh, that's sort of like a back you know, a back end marketing, but it's off site because it all happens off site. That's another part of it, which is, which is huge, um, which I would actually recommend that you would learn more about email campaigns than uh, social media marketing at this point, um, just because of the effect that it has on getting driving people back to your content, you know, you have your organic situation going on where that's consistent traffic, but once they get there, you want them to keep coming back, so you're compounding your traffic over time.
1: Nice. So yeah, this is obviously like very unless you're you know doing a freelance thing or you're like an all-in-one solution for a client, you probably have a marketing team that's doing this stuff. But it's good to know like what the idea is and why they do what they do. Um, so if you're you know if you're uh working on a site that's selling stickers or something and you know you have your marketing team coming up to you and be like, hey, we need to implement a blog. And you're like, blog? What? You know, we have stickers. Um it, it's good to know why this stuff is important and why, you know, they go and make all these social media accounts and post
2: all this stuff and want to do backlinks and all this stuff. So
1: uh it's good yeah, to be aware of it at
2: least when I work with clients, um, I don't even bring that stuff up just because I know how time-consuming it is to to do those types, even the backlink campaign and all these types of things, you can really benefit someone by doing, the first of all, the technical SEO. I don't care if you have the best content in the world. If you're the smartest person out there, all your stuff is amazing. If you don't have that technical component, you're not going to rank. Just plain and simple. So that is by far, in my mind, the most important. And when I talk to clients or if I work with someone and consult with them and give them some advice, that's always where I start. I rarely get into the social media backlink stuff because, to be honest, I have pages that don't have very many backlinks and they still rank. So it's not all about that. It definitely does help. I will say it definitely helps. There, you know, I'm sure I'll get plenty of people who argue with me about this all day. But I'm not a backlink <laughs> fan. I'm not huge on that. I think if you personally have authority, if they can, if Google can uh, uh, scrape your LinkedIn and and see some things that are happening online where you look professional and you have that on there, and you're writing good content, you have, you know, great structure, um, semantically, and you have page speed. You did the research, you know what people are looking for. There's so many different strategies uh, that I have for finding out what's the best content to put for a topic. If you have those things, you're already going to see a lot of results. The The social media and that stuff is like icing on the cake. Um, that That's the stuff that just takes a lot of time. And I did that in the past, but what I found was I was spending more time trying to create content for social media than I was being able to maybe create a new feature on my site or You know, even write a new article Um, because if you're shooting, you're filming, you're editing, you know, you're shooting it 10 times, all types of stuff. You're setting stuff up so that it looks like it's natural. So it's a lot of work. You actually need a whole different team for that stuff. But the technical stuff, in my mind, has always worked way more and it has longevity. Um, When you do SEO and you do it at a high level, um, it lasts years. I have pages that I barely touched for three or four years that are still top ranking. I update them and I do the little things like what I talked about here and every, every once in a while I'll change up some of the verbiage. But um, those have been doing really well. I've paid for influencers. I've done a lot of social media. I've done the backlinks. I don't nearly get as much results um, from, the, from uh, those things as I do when I um, do do some really good organic SEO stuff. So...
1: So I can, I can maybe speak to this a little bit. Um, I wrote one really popular blog article.
2: (laughs) So I I wrote (laughs) uh, wrote a few others that were pretty good, but
1: they they were okay. (laughs) But I wrote one that had to do with react use effect and Mm -hmm. I wrote it. Um, I don't know how many months after hooks came out, but maybe let's say like six months after Mm -hmm. react hooks dropped and I got it into a couple of newsletters. Um, and so it got shared, people read it, uh, I am still getting emails about that, that post, like even now. And I wrote it, you know, almost a year ago at this point point. Yeah. and I still get like, cool. like my blog traffic outpaces the podcast by like a, a huge margin because of like those few are. And like, once I wrote the one react article, I was like, okay, this is doing well. I'm going to write a few more. And mm-hmm. you know, now those are getting traffic. And so, I just checked it while we were talking and like I'm on page four for like react use effect. If you Google that, yeah. um, which is like, you know, it's page four, but like, Holy crap for an article that I wrote like mm. on a weekend, you know, and put zero effort into aside from like setting up meta tags and whatnot. Uh, that's crazy.
2: So, yeah, I mean, and it's my advice more- would be that if it's on page four, you can definitely get the page one. It's just <laughs> a lot of these technical pieces and keeping it updated. Um, that's the type of stuff when I look at a project, that's what I'm looking for. That's low-hanging fruit. If you have a ton of that, if you have a ton of situations where you're on the second, third, fourth page on a lot of on a lot of key keywords and key phrases and questions, uh, we can really in a short amount of time make improvements. The toughest part is just starting from scratch um, and doing it from the beginning. But once you have that content out there, you got to use some of these tools. Unfortunately, a lot of them are paid, but they've always been well worth it. They, they give me the insights that I need so I can make the adjustments on the page that I need. And like I said, you submit it to Google Search Console and you should see immediately uh, how you did. I mean, sometimes I'll resubmit it a few times, you know, just in a day after I fix it a few times just because I really want it. Um, there'll definitely be situations where you can't because maybe Wikipedia and all these other different things are ranking. But you should be yeah. able to get farther up if it's that close
1: let's uh let's dig into that for a little bit because we the kind of the portion that we missed here is um you know what tools do you have to evaluate a site for seo like obviously if you show up in the search results in google like that's one thing but there's also like the the search console and like analytics and all, and all kinds of stuff so um like you you did a a evaluation of like tech so like what tools do you use for that, and like, how did we do, and, and all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, so when it comes to pure technical SEO, there's, um, there's a couple of softwares, but I use two specifically. One I pay for, one's a free version. SEOability, so S-E-O-B-I-L-I-T-Y. That's what I actually use to run um, your guys' report, and it doesn't take that long. Uh, and it will tell me a lot of different um, technical things that I need to fix. Another one, excuse me, is Screaming Frog, so that one um, also also will do that. And all of these, uh, what's great is these all will provide reports, so you can basically export them and, and give them to the to the right people, so that they approve you to work on this type of stuff. Or if you're trying to convince a client to work with you, so I usually use those. When you talk about Google Search Console, that's more looking at your history. What you can, well, number one, you can find errors on your website if there's some sort of you know, button that's too small for mobile or something's off the page. But what's another thing is you have a per- performance overview. And what this will do is it will show you every single keyword or phrase anyone's ever used to find a listing from your site. So not actually land on your site, which they do have that information too, but they saw it in a listing. So they saw it when they were scrolling through the search results. What you can do with that is, what I call, it's the it's the CTR strategy, is improving your click-through ratio. So what it does show you is how many impressions and how many clicks you get for a particular keyword. What I like to do is look at the ones that have super high impressions, but you rank pretty well, maybe you need to get to the first page or you were at some point or whatnot, um, and then you have low clicks. Because just improving those, those click-throughs is gonna make a huge difference in in the traffic. So uh, identifying that and starting there is always good for sites like yours that have been around for like a year because you have a good amount of information. And that's more to the content side. But then you can go back to SEO Ability or Screaming Frog and see what technical issues you're having with that page. Um, And then there's a a software called Page Optimizer Pro, which is the one that I talked about, which will compare your page um, to... Basically, ten pages that you want to rank higher than for a search term, and it will sh- it will tell you word counts. You know how many H one you know H one title, how many H twos, H threes, uh, schema, how many pictures, uh, loading time, and it will compare it so that you have an idea of where you're at. And your goal is to kind of get on par with that. So, for instance, if you have a recipe website, you actually may not need thousands of words because it's all about a short recipe that has schema that can show up in in Google Search. Or you might be doing React tutorials, and everyone that ranks on the first page has 3,000 words, 20 images, three videos. Well, that's a pretty good indicator of what Google wants. So you can kind of work down the chain of of what's the priority. Um, When you have new websites, it's really difficult. It's more about using tools like Ahrefs or SEMrush, which will do competitive analysis so that you can understand that if I'm starting a website, I'm starting a business, who are my competitors? What is the, you know, what would be a good foot to start off on? You know, what type of content should I have on my site? What what topics should I cover? What type of semantics? Also, one thing I do is I want to know if the competitors are doing SEO. A real easy way to figure it out. Run it through the structured data tool for Google and see if they're doing it. If they're not doing a lot of the things that we're talking about, do the page speed test then you should be salivating because now if you just do what Google wants, your probability of ranking is sky high because no one else is doing it. They're not optimized. They're just lucky, right? <laughs> and that happens all the time. Those I love. Those, those I love because I know I'm just looking at those pages like, they got lucky with this. I don't know why Google's <laughs> ranking this. And then you just go past it. Nice.
1: So if we could boil it, because you mentioned a lot of tools there, boil it down to like maybe, okay, I'm brand new to SEO. Like, what do I need to do? So Search Console, I'm sure, Structured Data Testing Tool, uh, both from Google. Those are great resources. Uh, And then which one was the free SEO, like Optimizer or Checker or whatever?
2: Uh, Screaming Frog. They'll check up the 500 pages of your website. Um, So especially if it's a new site. Or, or a smaller site, it's perfect because you don't have to pay for it. So they charge just basically for more um, for more pages on the site. So that's a good one. Um, as far as free, I mean, you can use Google's keyword research tool, so that's a pretty good indicator of just the volume of search and the competitiveness. Um, and that's free. But if you're really looking to make an impact, you're going to need at least one paid tool. And I'd probably say. Ahrefs would be it, just because it does a lot of these things um, as well. That like it does an audit, it, it, it does some of these uh some of these different um, reports that I use for individual. So I have them all because I know SEO ability. It's kind of just a more accurate audit, but you can get a lot of good information from Ahrefs. Plus, it has the competitor research and, and stuff like that. It's pretty expensive. It's pretty pricey, but it gives you everything that you you need to know. So even if you just have it for a few months and you export all the all the information and just get to work on that, uh, you're you're good to go. But freewise it's a lot it's a lot of Google stuff. There was a tool called UberSuggest that used to do what sort of Ahrefs and Semrush do, but now they just turned it to paid. So he got everybody hooked on it and now it's and now it's paid. So lucky him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it goes.
1: Cool. So uh, before we jump in a nerd minute, um you also mentioned um, that you ran our site through some of these tools and stuff. So, how did TechJunior.dev do as far as like content and, and SEO and whatnot?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was very, I was very impressed. Seventy-five um, percent. So, the way SEO <laughs> ability sort of grades it is on a one hundred percent scale. A lot of people that I. Run into that I do my audits with. I mean, they're in thirty percent, forty percent, seventy-five percent is is pretty good. I mean, it's it's almost perfect. I would say that you're probably not going to get to hundred percent. But if we look at some of the things, and I'll just briefly go over uh, some of the some of the things that points out. So, um, thirty-six pages have titles that are in need of improvement. So they're too long. So um, the the meta titles are too, are too long. Um, you also have meta descriptions that are too long. So that's easily fixed. Um, Two pages are missing alt attributes for images. And this obviously tells you which which images they are. Um, This one is pretty interesting. It's about link anchors and the text that you're using for your anchor. So Mm -hmm. if you're just using click here, they don't really like that. They want it to be more descriptive um, because Google puts a certain amount of weight on that. Um, plus, if you're linking to something, say a partner, you want to make sure you have keywords in there so they benefit from it. So you have about 53 pages that contain a link anchor that basically should be improved. I think they all just say like, click here. Or some of them don't even have an anchor text. No idea. <laughs> yeah. And this actually, what's cool about this, it will get tell you step by step how to fix it. That's another cool thing about it. So when I do an SEO audit, I put this, I put this in their drop in their, uh, Google drive and it actually tells them everything they need to know to be able to do it. It's just a matter of them wanting me to execute on that or not. So that's actually pretty cool. It's, I like that about it. And then the last thing we have some on page issues. We have, um, only a little bit of text was found on 157 pages. So what it's saying is you have thin content. It probably doesn't have like 500 or a thousand words, which it would expect. And then basically you have 140 pages that, Um, don't have keywords in the H1 heading. So you have an H1, but none of the keywords that you're targeting are in it. Huh. Yep. And then the last two, you have pages where some paragraphs were found. What is this all about here? Oh, with too few paragraphs. So basically you have a bunch of pages with podcasts on them that don't have a lot of text, obviously. Right, yeah. You know you have to kind of use discretion and say, "Well, that page isn't meant to have text on it, and you can just ignore it. That's why you never really get a hundred percent because you you have you have you know different requirements uh for different pages. You're not worried about that that page right but maybe if you are, you can add more more text to it um and this one even finds typos so it finds typos if you spelled something incorrectly. Let's well, not share that because I'm cool. I'm sure there's a lot, but um <laughs> so
1: so just to put a finer point on it like we got 75%. That's pretty good. And the effort that went into that was, I took a few hours and read about meta tags and, uh, view meta and made sure that like the JSON LD was correct and had like my name and email and Eddie's name and email and all that stuff. And because like all those ducks are in a row, uh, we are doing pretty decent as far as SEO.
2: Yep. Definitely. I'm very impressed with what, with the stuff you've guys done. And, um, It all looks good. I'm excited. I'm excited for the future of it. And like you said, it does not take a lot of time to learn this stuff. That's what I want to stress, especially to the junior developers. How do you separate yourself from the next person who's applying for that same job that may be web development? Maybe it's not building apps, right? Maybe it's not doing back end work. It's it's literally a front end developer. How do you separate yourself? Well, I know technical SEO. I know all of the different things that need to be done. You might be surprised in the, in the interview. They're like, "Oh, yeah, we've always looked into that, but we don't, we haven't done anything with that yet." And now all of a sudden, you're just—they don't even—you know—they may not even care as much about some of the other stuff. Um, they may just be more focused on knowing what you know, learning more about what you know about technical SEO to help the marketing team.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you can get an edge over other candidates with because it, it's just people don't pay attention to it. They, they're so caught up in like, ooh, what's going on with JavaScript that they're forgetting the basics like, oh, you didn't
2: put up meta title, you know, on your page or whatever. So, um, Well, you got, you've got about a year, I think, before everybody's just going to be on it. So... You know, more and more people are going to start learning about it. Obviously, if more people start talking about it, so now is the time to to know it before before it's just the thing that everybody everybody knows, right? That happens with with everything, and there'll be something new. There'll be some other thing that that happens. You have voice search coming up, so there's a lot of new features and stuff for voice search and getting pages to show up. So all of that is technical. You know, what the text is of a meta description is shouldn't be your concern when it comes to. Um, you as a web developer, you can, I encourage you to learn all that stuff, obviously, because it just increases your value, but just know how many characters should be in a meta title and, 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 and meta description. Cause like I said, if you're building something custom, you're not in WordPress that has all these things sort of plugged in. Um, maybe you can build a CMS that limits. So that way you're helping the marketing team so they don't make mistakes and then they have to go back and forth and fix it. And then put like a little note that says, that's what I did when I built, um, I built a custom WordPress site for someone with, um, a bunch of fields and stuff that they could fill out. I, I limited text for certain things, um, on purpose. So that's little stuff as a developer that you could get in front of.
1: Cool. So, uh, yeah, get, get into all that. We'll we'll link a bunch of resources on the show notes, um, for, you know, how to to get into that. But.
2: Want to shout out uh, if it's okay.
1: Do a yeah, little please.
2: Plug. So we'll put this link on there too. But the big reason why I, you know, obviously wanted to come on here, besides having fun talking to you guys, is I'm actually launching a site that's focused on technical SEO for web developers specifically. I've always wanted to kind of, uh, teach everybody SEO, but it's a very saturated market, but I know that there's a huge need for you guys that are web developers that aren't concerned about content and, and all these other different things and finding keywords where you just want to be, um, valuable to whatever project you're working on from a technical SEO standpoint. And that site is you don't know, SEO.com. So you'll be able to go there. I'll have some, some free resources, of course, checklists, all those types of things that you can run through so that you can start to get familiar with with your needs. And you know, shortly, I'll be launching an actual course that you can take that where I'll show you full examples, how I do things with my sites, what the results of them are, and all those different types of things. So I'm very excited about that. I want to teach the web development community, SEO, because I want to see everybody do well um, and advance in their career. So I hope everybody goes and checks it out um, once they hear this podcast.
1: Hundred percent. So
2: cool.
1: uh, we will also link that on the show notes. Cool. Cool. So uh, at the end of every show, we do we do darn minute. Roy, you're no uh, novice to that. You you were here last time. I think we talked a lot about sports. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <their>, uh, <laughs>
2: that's alright. So, we're living um, in different times right now. We are. We are. There's no sports on TV. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know what? I literally have been watching throwback college football games, um, Alabama football games, because that's how much I want to watch sports. Um, wow. Yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. That's probably been one of the, the craziest things uh, for me as far as with the whole quarantine type stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I was saying, wow, that you're watching Alabama. Yeah. that you're watching old games. Oh, no, I'm just wow. kidding. No. <laughs> did
1: you watch that uh, that uh, Jordan
0: documentary on Netflix?
2: Yes, I did. Of course. I mean, Jordan. Jordan is my hero. That's that's probably the. <laughs> that's the person I. I actually, fun fact, can't see it, but I actually have a Michael Jordan tattoo. I have the Jumpman tattoo. So oh, I love really? basketball. I love playing it too. Yeah. Cool. Roy is big into basketball.
1: i think you uh you play like
2: or i don't know maybe before the before the world ended uh you used to play like every day right yeah and they now just opened up my gym again so i've actually just started playing again on monday my shot's a little off it's been a couple months but (laughs) um I'll, i'll get back into it and really now i've just been using this time to you know hang out hang out with my wife and um recently since my last episode with you guys i got a new puppy so i've been hanging out with him and spending time so you know using the the name uh bama is actually his name (laughs) poor dog (laughs) (laughs) now he's a a red-nosed bull. so um i named i named him bama so he's been he's been fun to hang out with and really just focusing on i've always talked about like you know and i've talked about with this with you guys endlessly but just wanting to put content out there for everybody because I spend too much time like going back and forth in, in the Slack and it never reaches the, the masses. So even like from the stuff when I, I've done with you guys, people contact me all the time. They're they like, well, where, where's the content? So that's really what I've been nerding out on the past few months is just putting together. I, I had a couple audits and different SEO projects that I did. So this is the first time where I, I documented every single thing that I did. So every nice. step of the way I made documents on how to do everything. So now it's just converting that into something that can, can, can be consumed by everybody out there. So.
1: Yeah. It's, cool. it's funny that, um, I, I get emails
2: occasionally that
1: are like, Hey Lee, can you look at my resume? And I'm yeah. like, sure. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, we have literal hours of content on the podcast, like, mm-hmm. of, professionals telling us exactly what to do with a resume um, Mm -hmm. like three or four times over. And I'm just like, why am I still getting emails about this? Because we've, we've already put all that together. And really it's, it's people want like a, a 10 minute, you know, like walkthrough of exactly what to do for their situation. And
2: um,
1: yeah, or a template. I don't know. So I've often thought like, man, maybe I should do like a course or just write it up in a blog post or something. And I don't, I just haven't gotten to it yet.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great idea. And that's actually what's been cool about it. I think a lot of people have been sort of nerding out on 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 creating content. I see a lot of people that weren't doing it before, maybe didn't have the time. Some people lost jobs, so they have a lot of time, unfortunately. Um, But I think they're building some they're building something that's gonna uh, provide for them long term, where they won't have to worry about that in the future. So that's a positive. So yeah, I, I encourage everybody to do it. It can never be too saturated. You got so many people in the world, and it's global. So people all over the world—they don't have the opportunity to go to a nice college or a boot camp or something. So there's always someone out there that that appreciates you. Um, not to get off—not off, really off topic, but like a guy that I follow for SEO. So I even I even follow a lot of people. He just launched a course. <clears throat> not to put him out there or anything, but I mean, he killed it. And he didn't, not a lot of people had to buy it, you know, and actually a lot of people were super thankful because he really teaches people step-by-step step how to do it, which a lot of people don't. It's a lot of fluff out there. It's a lot of imaginary yes, advice. A ton oh, of you fluff. Should this, you should do that. So when you really, when you really, if you're good at something or even if you're just knowledgeable about it and, 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 and put that together for people, they're really appreciative and, and maybe you can make some money from it. So. Um, I'm seeing people left and right do it I'm, it makes me excited about it. Number one, people are getting great information. You're not going to have to spend a hundred thousand dollars to go to a university and you also won't spend, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. A lot of this stuff is just hundreds of dollars. So for hundreds of dollars, you can get, you know, you go to a university, you have a, a teacher who maybe never was in the field. They'd just been a, a teacher their whole life. But these are people teaching or literally doing it every day. And I think it's a different perspective and it's, it's, it's way more valuable than even what they sell it for. And that's, that's the great part. Everybody has access. So I encourage everybody to do it. That's why I've been trying to focus on it, even get my wife into it. I want to have her um, translate everything into Spanish. So all the stuff that I documented, I want to translate into Spanish. She, she speaks Spanish and she does digital marketing as well. So nice. just to, just to get it across to the masses and, and, and that's another thing. Translations, you know, a translated, translated content. That's always huge. So, um, yeah, I, I, love to see it, man. I hope you do come out with something. What about you, Eddie? <laughs> cool. Well, as far as nerd a minute. Yeah, man. <laughs> Let me um,
0: okay. Roy's hosting now. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over.
0: Um, I saw a bloodshot which is uh the watch. Vin Diesel movie. Yeah. It's oh, based okay. on a comic book, um, which I never actually read, but I have a couple of issues um, just because I, in the nineties, like I bought a bunch of stuff. Uh, <laughs> um Like uh, when Valiant came out, there was a bunch of number ones. And then like, you know, in the nineties, everyone, there was a, always a number one comic and then people bought them up and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I saw it. It was okay. It was a decent action movie, but I mean, it's exactly what you expect from one of those. It's not a great comic book. Is it triple X, but he has superpowers? It's yeah, but it's worse.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's worse.
0: (laughs) Because he he doesn't look anything like the character, which is like the I am not sold so far. Yeah, I mean I it it's an okay action movie. Um he doesn't look anything like the character. So there was, uh, do you know the Green Ranger, um, Jason? Frank, Tommy, I think his name. Yeah, Tommy. Um, he did a like YouTube short film or short like trailer or something for a Bloodshot. He looks exactly like the character from the comic. He's pale, white, red eyes. He's got the big red circle on his chest, the black hair, and everything. Um and it looked awesome. And then I watched this movie and Vin Diesel looks nothing like this. He looks just like Vin Diesel. <laughs> um which <laughs> kind of sucks. Yeah. But I Dominic mean
1: Toretto as
0: Bloodshot. Basically, he's the same <laughs> guy. And like uh it's it's just it was okay. Um there, there are points where like there is kind of a red circle on his chest because this is like the character's kind of bat symbol kind of thing. You know, a red circle on his chest. And um, it kind of glows through his shirt. Like there's a glowing circle through his shirt that you see. And that's about it. Um, I don't know a ton about the character. I was just kind of interested in just watching the movie. But it it was fine. If I would suggest, though, if you did watch it or you're going to watch it, there's a podcast called How Did This Get Made? where they go over this movie and it's uh-huh. way better than the movie. It's a, a, a really great <laughs> episode of the podcast to watch like right after you watch the movie and it's super funny. So I Fair would enough. suggest the, the, the podcast, it, it, even if you don't watch the movie, you listen to the podcast. It's, it's really good. Uh, yeah. And that's, cool. that's about it.
1: Uh, all right. Yeah. All I've got is a movie. Uh, I've been catching up on a lot of TV because you know, working from home, um, <laughs> 1917, uh, oh, so a war I'm movie, like uh, first world war, uh, Germans and the British. Uh, so it takes, it's the perspective of, uh, some British officers, uh, world war one horrendous, um, trench warfare, uh, was like the, obviously the first world war biggest conflict since, uh, the industrial revolution. So, um, just mass casualties, um but the the whole thing is about uh two british soldiers that are trying to stop a charge that's going to happen in like 24 hours or something and so they have to like cross no man's land um go up and pass the uh german uh front line and into enemy territory to deliver this message of please don't charge because it's a trap basically and uh the it's kind of like, you know, whatever, there's been a lot of war movies, similar plots, but what's interesting about this one is the direction and the shots that they use. So they do like a lot of continuous shots for like, like many minutes, like 10 minutes, continuous shot, which is amazing. Um, so the, the cinematography is kind of like, you're just awestruck by it. Um, and then on top of that, like it's a genuinely good movie and great acting. So, uh, definitely check that one out.
2: I might
1: have to. Cool. Not exactly a good uh lighthearted movie by any stretch. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a it's a war movie, it's pretty heavy. But um it it's really great. I mean, like from a filmmaking perspective, like holy crap. Um do you know I, who I was really impressed. The director was uh Mendez. Something Mendez, I think. I don't know. Okay.
0: You you'd have to look it up. Okay, I will. I've seen it pop up <laughs> a lot, which is why I was curious. Um, yeah, you, watch, I'm, watch I'm it. Let me know which thing. Is it on Netflix
1: or Hulu? Uh, I don't think I saw it on Netflix or Hulu. I can't remember when I, or oh. what service I used to watch it. But do you gosh, watch uh, Dunkirk? Not yet. Okay. That, that's not on, that one Actually, too. on the war movie uh, <laughs> agenda, but I haven't seen
0: it either. I was just curious. I just know it's a Christopher Nolan movie.
2: Right, right. Anyway, I saw uh, the preview for that in the movie theater, and I thought it was awesome. But then I never followed up on it, and that's been a while. I know it's been out for a long time, so I definitely want to check it out Same, same.
1: Cool. So we're we're running long here, but uh Roy, thank you so much for for joining us. Please, yeah, I,
2: I I told you I wanted to do thirty minutes. We're at we're <laughs> way past that, so I don't know how it always that, happens. That's on, impossible I, with you.
1: <laughs> I would say because the last time it was like an hour and a half uh, or longer.
2: So we can beat that if we end now. Yes. (laughs) Roy, Thanks for joining us. We had a blast having you or it was a blast. I really appreciate it guys. I, I always appreciate you guys having me on. So thanks. Awesome. Until the next time. Adios.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Tech Junior. Please head over to our website at techjunior.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, please sign up for our newsletter. Um, It goes out once a week with the latest episode and other goodies that we think you guys would like. Um, If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Special thanks to all our current patrons. And... Uh, we also have a Teespring store with T-shirts and stickers designed by Lee and I. Um, you can find links to both these things at our on our website at TechJunior.dev under support. Um, please follow us on Twitter at TechJuniorPodcast. Um, you can also follow our personal accounts. Uh, Lee is at Lee Warwick Junior. I am at Ed Otero. The O's are zeros. Thanks again, and take care we